and we are live with another edition of the All Gas Snow Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson. And Andrew, the Wild Card Series is officially over in Major League Baseball. We now head into the Divisional Series for both the AL and the NL. And surprisingly, we had a sweep in every single Wild Card Series, and some may have not shocked some people. Some did shock some people in the orderly fashion that it did happen. But we now know our division series matchups. A couple of games have already taken place in both the AL and the NL. We saw last night game two of the ALDS happen. Game two tonight will happen in the National League series. And we are getting closer to seeing who will be in the championship series and being the final four teams in this MLB postseason. Yeah, uh, this baseball still going on? I'm sorry, my team is uh, no longer in it, so I'm not paying attention it- anymore. I felt the same way after uh, September ended. <laughs> well, I only got an extra week on you, so. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about um your Miami Marlins against the Phillies. It was a definitely a rough series for the Marlins in that one. But a lot of shakeup happened in this wildcard series, and a lot of stunning fashion happened. Every, I think for the first time in the wildcard series era, every single series ended in a sweep. And... A lot of people were not expecting some of these sweeps. Maybe you could have picked maybe one or two to happen. Um, but some of the other ones, especially two series, happened in a shocking fashion. And it led to now these teams being in the in the uh, divisional series. And they have a realistic shot at making the championship series and maybe even making it to the World Series. So I'm curious to see how they fare in these divisional series. But... Uh, what would you like to get into first? Uh, talk about the wild card series in the well, MLB postseason. Well, I want to talk about a streak that's been, uh, if it wasn't broken this year, it would have been old enough to drink this year. Uh, let's talk about the Twins finally winning the first postseason series since 2002. Right. They sweep the Blue Jays, which was a surprise to me. I knew the Twins were a good team. I really like Pablo Lopez. I thought he did an excellent job uh, keeping the Blue Jays at bay, really kept them out of a game. But we have to talk about the Blue Jays now, because where do you go from here? Vladdy Jr. had a down year. Uh, again, your core with Bo Bichette leading it with Vladdy Jr. could not hit at all. There was a controversial. There was a pitching controversy of a uh, certain pitcher getting taken out early. Ooh, yeah. Uh, do you want to go into that? Well, we'll talk, we'll talk about Game One in this series for the Twins, and they got a big time boost from Royce Lewis. Who so remember when we previewed the series, he was injured going into it. And we had no clue if he was going to be a factor in the series. For the Twins, they actually got him back. They also got Carlos Correa, who was also injured going into the series. But he was also able to play. And Royce Lewis and Pablo Lopez, you mentioned him. Two biggest reasons why the Twins win this game. They took game one, three to one. Lewis hitting two home runs in the game to give the Twins their offense. Lopez holding that Toronto Blue Jays offense to just one run. And at that point, that was the Twins' first uh, home win. They are they had an 18 game postseason skid with home game or just postseason in general winning a game. They hadn't won a postseason game in, in that amount mainly of time. due to the New York Yankees, but we won't talk about that. Right, that uh, they've had some bad luck against the Yankees, especially in the postseason. So it was I, a guy. I would probably a, say 14 or 15 of those losses came against the Yankees. Right, so it was kind of like a breath of fresh air for this Twins team to face someone different in this time around, and they got in a game one. Got great pitching from Pablo Lopez. Uh, Yon Duran got the save in the ninth inning, got the save, and got the win, despite a good effort from Kevin Gossman on the Blue Jays' side. But then you mentioned the Game 2 matchup between these two teams. And again, we had some good pitching. You had Sonny Gray going for the Minnesota Minnesota Twins. And then for the Blue Jays, they had Jose Barrios going in this game. And the controversy surrounding this game was Barrios was pitching into the fourth inning, had a shutout going through three innings, and he had allowed a walk and was taken out abruptly by his manager, John Schneider. And he got taken out for Yusei Kikuchi. And Kikuchi gives up two runs in the inning, one earned to Barrios, one earned to Kikuchi. And that was the difference of the game. The Twins won game two and sweep the series 2-0. As we mentioned, it's the Twins' first postseason series win since 2002. And for you Moneyball fans that love that movie so much, that was when they beat those Moneyball at Oakland Athletics in that 2002 series. So 21 years since the Twins advance in a postseason series, they finally do it. 
They knock off the Blue Jays. They win in, in two games. And now they move on to take on the Houston Astros. And we'll talk about that series a little bit more. There's already been two games played so far between the Twins and the Astros. But for you said it for Toronto. Another tumultuous season because a lot of expectations were going down. They expected to win this series. A lot of people had them as the favorite to win this series, including us. And they get eliminated in two games. There was questions about if there should be a front office change or maybe a managerial change. As of right now, there hasn't been anything that has happened so far. But another bad season, and maybe if they miss the playoffs next season, definitely could lead to some changes in Toronto. I would definitely start with the hitting coach because Vlada Jr. has been deteriorating the last couple of years. So I think a change of scenery, uh, at least at a hitting coach perspective, would be good for the organization. I would say the manager is now in the hot seat because he's had a couple of controversial um, controversial starts and sits and just overall managerial decisions during games going back to last year and pulling your pitcher. when If you trust this guy to start enough in a do-or-die game, but you don't trust him to get out of a uh, of a one-walk situation, you shouldn't have started him at all. I'm not saying like- he doesn't, doesn't deserve to start, but if that was your mentality, you should have just ran a bullpen game. It felt like Blake Snell with the World Series in 2020 with the Tampa Bay Rays in which he was pitching a great game against the Dodgers. They had the lead, and then they took him out, and the Dodgers came back to win the game against Tampa Bay and eventually won that World Series. And you mentioned about Toronto's hitting. The Toronto Blue Jays got their hits in that second game. They had nine hits in the game. The biggest issue for Toronto in the entire series was they left a lot of runners in scoring position, and that really has to be something that they have to fix in next season. You had the pickoff for Sonny Gray on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with him being on second. That can't ha- happen in that spot in the game. That really killed any moment, uh, chances that the Blue Jays had at that point in the game. They lose this one. Now they go to an abrupt offseason ending. And a lot of stuff they have to go into the offseason saying, what can we fix in this offseason? And what can we do better than we did this season? Because as we know, the AL East is a dogfight. You know that Baltimore's had their great year. They'll probably continue the success. Tampa Bay has had their success as well. And you got to believe that the, at some point, the Yankees and the Red Sox will be back in playoff contention next season. So it won't be easy for Toronto to make the postseason next year. They're going to have to try to figure out what went wrong in this series going into next season. Yeah, no, you, you said it kind of uh, perfectly. There's really not much I could add to this. You kind of summed it up all perfectly. The only thing I guess I will add to this was the Twins did this all without Byron Buxton, who's been really holding that team afloat right. the last couple of years. So uh, he all-star last year, missed all the – I mean, he's been very banged up, though. That's that's the problem it's with been, Byron Unfortunately, Buxton. that's been his career. He just hasn't he, not been able to stay healthy. I don't think he's had over 100 games played in the season. Maybe he's had it once in a season when he first started, maybe as a rookie or a second-year player. Um, but he plays maybe half a season, three-quarters of a season, and then he just gets shut down. He's a great player. He's an absolutely fantastic player. He's exciting. He's fast in the outfield, great defensive player, great hitter, but he can't stay healthy. Right. And I feel like this is kind of derailing his career, and um, – Maybe they're doing it for him. The Twins are just kind of inspired by this man who's kind of held that 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 hope for the franchise for the last couple of years. And maybe they're going to try to do it for him. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, he's essentially what he's essentially, and you could argue the case that he is the face of that franchise because mm-hmm. he's just he's an exciting player. But injuries have definitely derailed a lot of you know possibilities for him in his MLB career, and obviously. You add him to this team right now, they would be a maybe. It would be a legit playoff team if you had Byron Buxton from last year. They would be legit right now. I still think they. I I want to say that, but at the the same time, they've been playing good so far this postseason. Oh, absolutely! I'm not going to take anything away from them, but I think like if they had Byron Buxton, I probably would have picked them over the Blue Jays. I figured. Oh yeah, no, it would have been a no doubter. Yeah, and, and so, you know, we'll talk about their series with the Houston Astros coming up a little bit later on in the show. But you're absolutely right. If they had Buxton, they would be a, a really even more dangerous team than they currently are. So we'll see how they fare the rest of the series against Houston. But let's talk about the other AL wildcard matchup between the Texas Rangers and the Tampa Bay Rays. And honestly, Johnson, I've seen Tampa Bay these last couple of years when it comes to their success Unstoppable in the playoffs. And... This might have been the worst two-game stretch I've ever seen the Tampa Bay Rays play. Not only 
bad they have some bad hitting in this series. Pitching really wasn't um there for them as well. Their defense also really struggled in this series. They had four errors in game number one. They added another one in game number two. And the Texas Rangers just pretty much embarrassed Tampa Bay in this series. They sweep them, winning the series two games to nothing. They took game one for nothing off the great start from Jordan Montgomery, who, remember, they acquired at the trade deadline from the St. Louis Cardinals. He goes seven shutout innings to get them the game one victory. The bullpen held it down the rest of the way. And unfortunately for Tampa Bay, Tyler Glass now did what he could to win that game, but the four errors is just really, you're not going to be able to win after that happens for your team. So nothing he could do about that. But then in game number two, it was Nate Evaldi against Zach Eiflin for Tampa Bay. And Zach Eiflin just did not have the stuff that Tampa Bay needed in a do-or-die game. He gives up four run, uh, five runs. Four of them are earned through five innings. And Nate Evaldi shut it down for the Texas Rangers, six and two-thirds, uh, one earned run on six hits. Texas got some great pitching. Offense was killer for them as well. And they pull off a big sweep over the Tampa Bay Rays. They now go on to Baltimore to take on the Baltimore Orioles in a very interesting matchup that's already gone through two games. We'll talk about that series a little bit later on. But what does this do now for the mindset of Tampa Bay? There's, they've had so many close encounters with winning a world championship. Obviously, I mentioned the Blake Snell year in which they you could make the case they should have won the World Series that year. And they've had some really good teams this past couple of seasons, but this was a kind of an abrupt ending to their year, losing in this fashion to, t- to Texas. Where do they go now in this offseason? So I don't want to really focus on Tampa Bay, and I'll let you answer your own question. The one thing okay. I want to focus on, I want to celebrate the winners of the Texas Rangers. Yeah. Seven of those guys age 30 or younger in their starting nine. The only guys over the age of 30, I'm, I'm, excuse me, the only guys over the age of 30 are Travis Jankowski, Marcus Simeon, and Mitch Garver. And they're all about 32 years old. Everyone else, 30 or below. So they are a young team. They're exciting. They're just hitting their prime. They're starting uh, They're starting five when it comes to pitching. Great rotation. All guys a little bit older. You know, on average, about 31, 32 years old. But they still have their best years still ahead of them. And if he does get healthy, God, God willing, you'll have Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom to anchor that down. So what I want to look at is even if they don't make – the next round, they've already punched well above their weight class because they are going against the Houston Astros now. This team's going to look even better next year. And now if Arola well, no, Chapman, the, because the he's kind of taking on the uh, Baltimore Orioles. Right, right. So even if they don't take – I'm sorry, the Ast- I said the Astros. That's that's the dream matchup. That, dream that, matchup. that could I mean, be an ALCS matchup, yeah. Yeah, I'm getting a little ahead. But even if they don't beat Baltimore, they've part, they punch above their weight class. They're going to get better next year because uh, you, you hope that you know, or you assume that their younger players just, just get a little bit better and their older players aren't that old where they're going to fall off a cliff yet and their pitching be solidified next year. So I want to right. celebrate the winners and, uh, you know, Texas, you know, who would have thought that the Texas Rangers would make it to the second round of the postseason? I wouldn't. But I guess to go back and talk about the Tampa Bay Rays, I don't know where you go if you're Tampa Bay. You, you're going to lose your franchise player. Uh, if you had Juan DeFranco in this series, do you win it? Maybe. Is he worth a run or two every uh, game? I think so. Maybe. I think he's but... worth a run or two every game. It, it changes the whole dynamics. It changed because they went into this game. The Texas Rangers went into this series thinking they don't have their best guy on the field. No matter what happens, I think we have the best play. We have the best overall team, and they don't have their best guy. So their whole demeanor, their mindset changed. They really believed in themselves that they can do it because psyche is everything in baseball. That's why you have these traditions. That's why you have guys that have all these bad traditions when they get out when they're in a slump to break out of it. So the psyche is everything in baseball more so than any other sport like football or basketball. And not having Juan DeFranco completely changed his psyche in a positive way. So that's why t- Texas kind of succeeded, succeeded, and I believe that's why Tampa Bay even kind of floundered a little bit on the field. Yeah, I think it's a weird time for the Rays because obviously the situation with Juan Franco is something else beside, beyond the, the not the first time the we've seen it, and, but hopefully the last. Yeah, and you have to look at the Tampa Bay lineup, and that was a big reason why they lost the series. The pitching, yes, was hit and miss in this in this series. But it was most overall good for them in this entire season. And getting Glassnow back you know, from injury early on in the season was good for them. They were able to pitch him in game number one. Did not pitch bad. Just the Tampa Bay defense around him was just really poor in that game one performance. As I mentioned, they had four errors. But 
for Tampa Bay, their offensive lineup has to be something. They got to do something in the offseason to fix it because a lot of their hitters in this entire season, they kind of felt like an old Yankee lineup to me in which it was either a home run or a strikeout was going to happen for most of their hitters. You mean and the current Yankee lineup? No, it's also the current Yankee lineup too, but you're not completely wrong. But it feels like a, a basic Yankee lineup in which we're praying for a home run or, or we're just going to strike out. I felt that a lot with this team. And Wander Franco obviously was one of those players that wasn't the case. Um, and then you had mostly everyone else. You know, Radio Rosarina is a good player for them. Yandy Diaz had a breakout year for them this season with a 330 batting average. But the rest of the lineup wise, they just really could not get the job done in this series. They were really outmatched by the Texas Rangers team. And you said it too about Texas. You have to applaud them for what has happened for this team. Remember, two years ago, this team lost 102 games. And now, two years later, they're in the American League Divisional Series. And they've had a good start against Baltimore, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. And they have a realistic shot of maybe making the entire – going to the World Series. Because despite not having Scherzer and DeGrom, their pitching has been been solid for them. And even when they haven't been solid when it comes to pitching, they have probably – a lot of people could argue the best offensive lineup in all of baseball right now. They have so many good statistical categories this year with their offense. I don't and think for, there's I mean, a single weak point on that starting line. I think all of right. them are above average hitters, and even the ones that are kind of borderline, they bring something else to the table. Exactly. Oh, they're I, really I, good at stealing bases, or they could draw walks at a high rate. So that's what everyone in that lineup serves the purpose, and even the guys, on the utility players on the bench, if you can call them that, they can hit for power and just, you know, you put them in a situation where you need an RBI or you need a home run or you need someone to draw a walk or you just need a single or double just get on base. All They have some an answer for, for almost all that stuff on their bench. Yeah, so it really comes down to now for a team like Baltimore, which we'll talk about their series. Uh, how do you contain this offensive line? And really, realistically, for anyone this postseason, how do you stop this this juggernaut of an offensive lineup from getting, you know, just getting to your pitching staff? And so far, we've seen it's not been easy to get outs against this lineup. You talked about it. One through nine, it seems as if the Rangers have something good in that lineup, whether it's an established veteran, a young rookie, a guy that's been a couple years into the league and is still providing at a really healthy level. They just have everything that you could ask for in this entire lineup. And for any postseason team and their pitching staff, it's not going to be fun trying to get outs against this lineup. And we've seen it so far. It has not been easy to get those outs. So we'll have to see what if Texas can make it all the way to the World Series and maybe finally get that illustrious championship that they've been looking for for their entire franchise history. But we talked about the AL wildcard series. We now have to shift over to the National League wildcard series. And how about kind of a stunner in my opinion? I knew the Diamondbacks were, you know, a young, gritty team. I figured that maybe they would put up a fight against the Milwaukee, but I just figured that Milwaukee's pitching staff would get the better of them in this series. But going into this series, I we did not know about this, that Brandon Woodruff was not going to be there for the Milwaukee Brewers. He was out for the entire postseason. So the Brewers they go down a starter, and we have talked about it in the preview for this series, that if it went to three, Milwaukee had the top three rotation to beat this uh, Diamondbacks team. Meanwhile, for the Diamondbacks, they had, and a lot of people's opinion, just two starting pitchers that realistically can get them wins in this postseason bout. And in game one, it looked like it was going to go Milwaukee's way. They had a 3 nothing lead going into the third inning, and the Diamondbacks get back-to-back home runs. Two run over for Corbin Carroll, a solo shot from Cassell Marte to tie the game at three against Corbin Burns. And remember, at that point, they had started Brandon Paft, and he's a, a, a rookie. And you had talked about this, too, on the pod, in which the Dimebacks might go to a bullpen game early on in the series so that if they need to go to Zach Gallen in a do-or-die game, he is their pitcher for that game. And they saved him for game number two. Paft did just enough to get them through the win. but you got to commend this Diamondbacks bullpen for shutting down the Brewers' offense the rest of the way. They only allowed, after the third inning, they only allowed, if I'm doing my math correctly, five hits after Paft was taken out. Paft had allowed seven. That's correct. And they allowed five the rest of the way. So a, a masterful job by this Diamondbacks bullpen, which I definitely had concerns about going into the series 
as a whole. And the Diamondbacks, as I mentioned, tied the game after the third inning. Gabriel Moreno, who they acquired at in the offseason from the Toronto Blue Jays in the Dalton Varshow, Lourdes Gurriel trade, he hits the go-ahead home run in the fourth inning to give Arizona the lead. They would attack for two more runs in the ninth inning on a Christian Walker, I believe, two-run double. And that would give Arizona a 6-3 win in game number one. And then game number two happened. And we talked about Zach Gallen being available for that game number two. And, boy, that was a great job by uh, Tori Luvolo to get the, that win and get them into the NLDS. They saved Gallen for game number two. He was a masterful performance in that game number two, going six innings, allowing two earned runs. And he outdueled Freddie Peralta, who up until that point also had an early 2 nothing lead. You know, the Brewers got attacked for two in the first inning, but the Diamondbacks would attack for five unanswered runs, four, four in the sixth inning. And they go on to sweep Milwaukee, winning the final game of the series 5-2. to two. The Brewers, uh, I'm sorry, the Diamondbacks bullpen, did not allow a single run in this matchup with Milwaukee. So, got to give hats off to their entire bullpen staff for not allowing one earned run throughout the entirety of this series between the Brewers and them. And now they go on to Los Angeles to take on the L.A. Dodgers in a divisional um, a divisional series in the divisional round. And so far, we saw how game one happened with those two teams. We'll talk about that. But... Game two, is as of this recording, is tonight between the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. So, hats off to Arizona. They now move on. And remember, they're kind of like the Texas Rangers, Johnson. Two years ago, this team lost 110 games. But they got Corbin Carroll because of it. And they have really sparked with Corbin Carroll in the lineup. This is a young, gritty team. And they're showing it through so far through this postseason run. Yeah, so I have a lot of things to say, but you kind of summarized what I wanted to, a lot of what I want to say. But there's one thing I want to add about Zach Gallen, and he was my NL Cy Young pick for the longest time. He had I don't want to say collapse, but he had a very a kind of crappy August September. Right. He wasn't that great after the uh, after the um, All Star break. However, this might have worked to his, his advantage because I am a firm believer of either regressing or progressing to the mean, meaning. We probably all assumed beginning of the season he was going to have around a 3-2 to 3-5 ERA, a lot of strikeouts, kind of workhorse kind of pitcher, which he was. He was going way, 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 uh, way ahead of schedule because he had like a, like a sub-2-5 ERA with a lot of strikeouts at the All-Star break. Like, all right, so this guy has to come back to reality, right? Well, he came back to reality. Uh, I don't want to say the perfect time because his team almost missed the playoffs, but he came back to reality at the start of the postseason. So now that you, he kind of regressed to the mean, he could start really dealing again because he's he's had this he's had the song and dance before where oh my god I'm underperforming my team's losing games and you should like you said Nick in that game too he showed up and he showed up big time only to give up two earned runs through six innings is fantastic against an, a high powered offense like the Brewers uh, out dueling the if you have a pitcher in Freddie Peralta like you said. And just a masterful performance by Zach Gallon. And this Diamondbacks lineup, hitting-wise, it's okay. You have a couple of guys, in my opinion, that really overperform, like Corbin Carroll, Cattell Marte, Christian Walker. Those are the guys that are really overperforming and kind of, I don't want to say dragging the rest of these guys, but, you know, when you see a guy like Alec Thomas or Jake McCarthy at the bat, does that really strike fear into your heart if you have a enemy pitcher? Probably not. But well, if you see yeah. a guy like Moreno, Walker, Ketel Marte, Corbin Carroll, if they're, those are the other guys, and then you have a guy like Tommy Pham off the bench or Evan Lagoria off the bench, maybe it gets a little bit better. But, um, hey, what, who am I to know? Well, the thing about this Diamondbacks lineup is they ha- they're kind of like – I wouldn't say they're like the Rangers, but they, they're like the Rangers in the sense of – they, they have came out of a bunch of different exactly they have they came out of nowhere and they have a bunch of different things they have young rookies that are trying Excited. to establish themselves and you have a young superstar Corbin Carroll you have established veterans like Cattell Marte and Christian Walker that have been solid for them throughout their career and then you have those veterans that can provide you those experiences like Clubhouse. Tommy Pham who got you who they got in the trade deadline and Evan Longoria obviously has had some has had some postseason experience before 
with a multitude of teams, whether it be Tampa Bay. And I don't remember if he made it with the Giants. I want to say he did, but I'm not too certain if he did make he it. He was playing on the Giants in like the late 2010. So I don't think they made it at that point. I don't. Yeah, I, I can't. I couldn't. I don't he was remember. a staple of that team, though. He was very good on that team. He was all right with the Giants. Yeah. But nonetheless, the Brewer, the Diamondbacks have that type of a lineup in which it's not great on paper, but they make it work throughout most of this postseason so far in this postseason run. And we'll have to see if it continues that way. But we got to talk about the other side of the story, too, for the Milwaukee Brewers. A tough end of the season for them. Obviously, not having Brandon Woodruff really would have helped them in this postseason run because if they had had to go to the bullpen, maybe they could have gone to him. But their offensive line really just kind of floundered after having strong starts in both game one and game number two. And now, and they go into the offseason where you got to look at this team. A lot of veterans on this team. They're not a young lineup. You have guys like Mark Hanna starting. Josh Donaldson was starting. Carlos Santana was starting. Yelich is starting to get up there in his career. So they go into an, this offseason where they still have a good starting three rotation, a good closer, Devin Williams, but they have to figure out what can they do to fix this lineup because the lineup definitely was not good for them in this postseason run. Right. I love that you mentioned that. They, they kind of became the island of misfit toys in the postseason. Yeah. And I want to, you know what I want to bring up too? A guy that really came up big for them in the postseason, even though they kind of didn't get it done. It was, it was South Relic. Yeah. He, he, he got on base two times during that, uh, during that game one, that pivotal game one that really, I guess would have been the, the back, uh, the backbreaker, but he showed up for him when it mattered and, you know, veterans didn't really show up. Yeah, other than Christian Yelich, mostly every veteran for the Brewers that they got. Remember, they traded for Santana at the, tra- at the deadline. They traded for Canna at the deadline. They picked up Donaldson they, from they had waivers. No yeah, it, they, just, it was a bunch of guys that have been playing less than 40 games together. And that, if that's a fourth of your lineup or a third of your lineup, that's not going to win your baseball games. Yeah, and it, I, I'm, I, I would like to see what they do in this offseason because they have to get – some offensive help if they're going to have any hope because they're starting to get to the point where who knows what happens with the future of this team. There's rumors about Craig Council maybe leaving Milwaukee to go match the New York Mets because of the ties with David Stearns, who's now the new um, pre- baseball uh, president of baseball operations with the Mets. So the, who knows what the identity of this Milwaukee Brewers team is next season because they might have to look for a new manager and they might have to try to fix the entire lineup as a whole because of all the veteran uh, leadership that they have right now on this team, they have to try to get a little bit younger or find some other veterans that have been, you know, doing it consistently and not will not be hit or miss when it comes to postseason time. The craziest thing about this is Donaldson, Carlos Santana, and Marcana aren't all bad players. They're pretty either average or above average players this past season. Just for some reason, you put them all together, and they couldn't spark the offense that this lineup desperately needed. Could not hit the entire Diamondback bullpen, and that's why I said you gotta get the hats up to that entire staff. They did a great job in both series, in both games, and they'll look to now carry this momentum into Los Angeles to try and knock off their division rival, the, the Dodgers. And so, as a game one, that was a good start for them. Can they continue that momentum? We'll have to find out, but. Johnson, we're going to have to unfortunately get into this final series. I know it's going to be tough for you to talk about this. Let's talk about the Phillies and the Marlins in their wild card matchup. The Phillies sweeping Miami to move on to the NLDS to take on the Atlanta Braves for the second straight season. Um, I'll let I'll defer to you to talk about how your Miami Marlins did. It seemed as if it was a rough time offensively. They only scored two runs in this series. Game one. Was a tough going for Jesus Lazardo after it going into the fourth inning. Um, he allowed eight hits in that game, three earned runs. The Marlins really had no answer against Zach Wheeler, who pitched a great game for Philadelphia. And then in game number two, they didn't really have an answer for Aaron Nola either. Aaron Nola went pretty much the full distance for this Philadelphia Phillies team against as he outdueled Braxton Garrett, who unfortunately just didn't have enough to beat this Marlins team. And obviously having Sandy Alcantara would have helped Miami a bunch, but now with him having his injury, which we'll talk about after you talk about this series, um, overall just a rough go for Miami. It's nice to see them back in the postseason run. You would hope that maybe 
this run will kind of spark them maybe getting back into the postseason next season. But overall, what did you see from your Miami Marlins that ultimately failed them at the end of the day? Well, we desperately need a new catcher. That's the, nothing against Jacob Stallings or Nick Fortes, uh, but that was, I think, one of the main factors. I don't. Let's, we can talk about the pitching all day, but uh, if you saw in that first game with Jesus Lazardo, he was a little bit had a wild pitcher. I feel like if you had a veteran catcher, especially when they went to go make pitch outs, as we saw at the end of the season, they kind of faltered on that. So the little things help a lot. Uh, if they would have had Sandy for game one, would have been a completely different story. Unfortunately, he's out for the year of Tommy John surgery. I don't want to talk about it, but yeah. They did what they had in the middle of it because the Marlins hitting was absolutely horrendous. You had guys whose OPS plus was below 70 for a vast majority of the year. And these guys took hundreds of swings on the line. You're talking that, oh, it's not like they played 15 games. No, they played 100-plus games before we, we got guys like Josh Bell and Jake Berger who could really hit the baseball. So I feel like the, the main uh, one of the main objectives is retaining Josh Bell retaining Josh Berger, and getting a new catcher. The pitching, I think, will be fine. Uh, you have guys coming up like Yuri Perez, which will be a great pitcher going forward. Edward Cabrera seems like he's putting it together. Braxton Garrett's a young developing pitcher. Jesus Lazardo will learn from his mistakes. So yeah, I, I could trust those four. And then when we eventually get Sandy back, he, he's, he's our ace. So the bullpen, much improved. I know Andrew Nardi wasn't really that uh, great in the postseason, but he was great in the uh, regular season. So it's a young team. They're learning. You have a couple of vets that are on the way out, like Gene Segura, um, which who, who knows if he's on the team next year? Probably not. Probably not. And then you have a lot of young developing ta- talent, like Jesus Sanchez, Jazz Chisholm, uh, Luis Arias, who's in that hitting core. And these are guys that can get on base either by walks or singles, doubles, whatever. And then you have a guy like Jorge Soler, which can just knock the baseball out of the park almost every it looks it's like almost every single time he gets up it's like okay you're expecting a home run i know it's not even close to that but that's what you kind of expect yeah i think unfortunately for miami they just really could not get the offensive production that they were hoping for um there was they did make some good trades at the trade deadline i mean jake Berger and josh bell really were key catalysts for them down the stretch of the reason season. why they made the playoffs and the Luis Arias trade definitely paid off for both the U and the Minnesota Twins. Um, Arias was a big reason why the Marlins got here as well. But you said it. I mean, not having Sandy definitely hurts. At the end of the day, your best pitcher, a former Cy Young Award winner, now out for next season with Tommy John surgery. That really puts a damper in next season's plans already. But if Yuri Perez and Edward Cabrera can pitch strong for this team like they did this year, then who knows? Maybe the Marlins make it back to the postseason next season as a wild card team once again, but there's definitely a, still a light at the end of the tunnel for this team, despite this abrupt ending to their season against Philadelphia. The Phillies just at the end of the day were the better team, unfortunately for you guys. And now they go on to take on the Atlanta Braves once again in the National League Divisional Series. We saw that happen last season between those two teams where the Phillies were able to upset the Braves at that time and move on to the NLCS. But Now we have to go into our championship series, uh, or I'm sorry, division series preview. And we'll give some picks about who we think will win this series. Obviously, in the American League, two games have already happened. One is already on the verge of ending as of this recording. So it might be a little bit, you know, easier for us to make that pick. But maybe maybe one of us makes a stunning pick and takes the other team to come back from the 2-0 deficit. But... Let's talk about first the Rangers and Orioles series that's currently going on. How about so far the start for the Texas Rangers? They got a great win in game number one. They had um, Andrew Heaney starting the game for them in game number one. They turned it over to Dane Dunning and relief. And Dane Dunning did just enough to help the Rangers. And their lineup did just enough to win this game. Holding on in game one to win 3-2 over Baltimore. Uh, Josh Jung had a home run in the sixth inning. Uh, We saw Jonah Heim. And Evan Carter delivering as well for this Rangers offense. And the Orioles, just at the end of the day, just did not have enough firepower to win game one. Um, You kind of saw maybe the postseason inexperience going in that game, number one, which cost them it. So at that point, it gave Texas a 1-0 lead in the series going into last night's game, in which we saw a matchup between Grayson Rodriguez for the Baltimore Orioles taking on Jordan Montgomery of the Texas Rangers. And... 
again, you kind of saw the inexperience from this Baltimore Orioles pitching staff. Rodriguez doesn't make it past the second inning. Allows five earned runs. The Orioles bullpen after that would allow six more uh, earned runs. And despite not a strong outer for Jordan Montgomery, the Rangers offense just was there for them. And we spoke about it in that uh, wildcard recap. If the Rangers don't get a good starting uh, pitching matchup and they don't have a good effort from their pitcher, this offense can hit. And they showed it in game number two. Mitch Garver had a five RBI day. We saw Leotis Tavares with two more RBIs. Simeon, Haim, Garcia also had RBIs. And Texas wins game number two, 11-8. So the Rangers now go back home in game number three. They'll play that game tomorrow night. And they'll have a chance to sweep the Baltimore Orioles and move on to the American League Championship Series. And I think as of right now, they're going to probably go with Nate Evaldi in that game number three. I do not believe the Orioles have named a starting pitcher for that game three. But what have you seen so far in this series between these two teams? Is it more of Texas just overall being a great great team as a juggernaut? Or have you seen just the inexperience of this Baltimore Orioles team really get into them so far in their first postseason run since, I believe, 2014? Well, I'm going to say it's not an experience because the least experienced guys on the field, like Gunnar Henderson, he's the best player for Baltimore right now. It's Gunnar Henderson. Even when he got called on that uh, that hit and run, he didn't want to single out a veteran like Aaron Hicks because he missed the signal. He just kind of took it like a man. So that is veteran leadership in his early 20s right there. It's like he's played the game for 10 years. He's hitting ho- he's, he's hit a home run. He's getting RBIs. He's getting walks. He is the most complete player on that field right now. So it's not the inexperience. It's just I think that the Rangers are a lot better. Uh, there's nothing wrong because – while a lot of guys, there's a couple guys like uh, Gunnar Henderson, Ar- un- un- unbelievably Aaron Hicks, and Austin Hayes that are leading the charge for Baltimore. Disgusting, but anyway. Texas is a well-balanced, well-oiled machine. Is there, I can't think of a single player that's been kind of a letdown this series for Texas, whether it's the pitching or it's the hitting. They, they all, it seems like they all have have multiple hits in this series. They all have a couple RBIs, like you said, Uh it seems like to me that it's Texas is just on another level. So it's nothing really against Baltimore. I think they'd probably beat uh, the other AL teams uh, if they played in this uh, this series, but they just got the short straw and draw the um, drew the Rangers. This really should be the um, the championship series. This really should be the um, the ALCS, but we're neither here nor there. Yeah, and realistically, if Texas won the division, that definitely would have been the case because this could have been Baltimore versus Houston in the ALDS, but. Nonetheless, we'll talk about this game number three now, as we've already seen two games in the series. The Rangers are up 2-0. They're going with Nate Evaldi tomorrow night. And we, as I said, do not know what the game three starter will be for Baltimore. So this will kind of be our first pick for this mushing hour. Do you think the Texas Rangers will advance in this series? Do you think it will be a sweep? Or do you think Baltimore will give them a little bit of a fight and who knows? Maybe even pull off a three uh, reverse sweep. Uh, give me Rangers with a gentleman. I have him in my World Series, and I thought they were going to beat the Orioles if they played in the second round. I have him in my World Series, so give me the Rangers with a gentleman. So, do you think they sweep tomorrow night, or do you think it's going to be? No, they get a gentleman. They get so they, they, they win a so game. game four. Yeah, yeah, it goes the okay. game. Yeah, so give me three one. Okay. Um. Honestly, I don't know. My only and I, I've said this a, while, a little bit about the Baltimore Orioles about their entire team. I like what they have. The issue I had with this team was was their rotation. And Bradish, who's be, far been the best star of the season, did enough in game number one to give the Orioles the win. But their offense just was not there. Um, they went to Grace Rodriguez in game number two. Did not go their way. If I had to guess, game number three, I want to think it's going to go to Jack Flaherty. But it's either going to be him or Kyle Gibson in that game number three. And against this lineup of Texas, I just don't see a scenario in which they win that game. I'm going to pick the Rangers to sweep. And even if they don't sweep, the Rangers should win this series. If they blow a 2-0 lead, that would be cataclysmic for this team considering all the momentum they have going for them right now. Um, I just think they're just firing on all cylinders right now. Their bullpen has been just good enough. They've gotten decent enough pitching so far. And the lineup we talked about, they've just been a juggernaut so far in this entire postseason run. 
All right. So you think they didn't even get a game? That's interesting. Yeah. Let's talk about the next game. We have the Twins versus the Astros. Series tied up at 1 1. If you want to give a little bit of a recap for our listeners at home, the floor is yours, Nick. Yeah, and uh, but for the, the Rangers stuff, I know it's easy for me to pick a Rangers sweep because they're already up 2 nothing, but I just can't see Baltimore winning a game right now. But, again, it's really kind of easy for me to say that. But being that as it may, let's now recap so far this series so far between the Twins and the Astros. The Astros, most of our game one, were kind of controlling this game. It was Justin Verlander against Bailey Ober, so the inexperience of Ober really got Tim early on. He gives up a home run early to Altuve. The Astros would attack for two more on a two-home run night from Jordan Alvarez in this game. And the Twins did make it interesting later on. They put up four runs in the seventh inning, handing home runs from Jorge Polanco, another home run from Royce Lewis in this postseason run. But Twins would uh, fortunately not be able to come back. They lose in game one, six to four. And then game two would happen last night between the two teams in which we had the matchup of Pablo Lopez versus Fran Bavaldez and you spoke about already about Pablo Lopez to start to this postseason. A really strong start in the wild card and a huge start last night for Minnesota in game number two. Seven shutout innings, seven strikeouts, allowed six hits. The bullpen would give up the only two runs the Astros would score in this game, which would have been a two-run home run from Jordan Alvarez. So he already has three home runs this postseason run. But Kyle Farmer hits a home run. Correa gets three RBIs against his former team. And the Twins tie the series up at one game apiece, winning game two, six to two. So Minnesota, the, for a team that had won a lot of postseason games throughout the past decade or two, now has won three postseason games. They've won their first series in 21 years. And now they're tied with this Astros team going into game number three in Minnesota. The pitching matchup will be Christian Javier against Sonny Gray. Um... What do you think happens the rest of the way? Do the Twins become pull off the upset, or do you think Houston's just too strong enough for them? I have Astros for it too. Jordan carried them for a game. However, uh, we haven't really spoken about the underperformance of Kyle Tucker, Alex Bregman, Michael Brantley, Chaz McCormick. Those guys are severely underperforming, and they're going to turn up the gas in a little bit. I don't think that Minnesota just has the uh, the pitching to keep these guys at bay. So I think Jordan. And Jose Altuve kind of cooled down a little bit. Jordan more than Jose, but uh, that kind of heart of a lineup is going to change up, and they're going to end up winning three two. So give me Astros three two. Uh, I think for my own sake, I think I'm going to join you on Astros three two because I kind of want to see if I can mush it to oblivion. Uh, I obviously did pick the Astros and the Braves to be in the World Series. I kind of hope it doesn't happen. That's the only reason why I put put that as my World Series uh, prediction. But if I had to go about it, I think my only concern with Minnesota is you've seen good pitching out of Pablo Lopez, and they're most likely, if there is a game five, he will have to start game number five for them. Sonny Gray is going to be the difference of this series, realistically. If he pitches strong at game number three, the Twins have a realistic shot of winning the entire series. But if he is falters at any point, then I think that's where the Astros are, take advantage because I don't really trust Minnesota to have a really good strong start out of their number three pitcher, which is Bailey Ober right now. But I will say this. I expect the Twins to win game three, but unfortunately the Astros will win the next two, tying the series in game number four in Minnesota, and then going back to Houston, and they win game five. So give them the Astros at five. All right. And the next game we have, or the next series we have, excuse me, we have the bottom-seeded Diamondbacks taking on powerhouse Dodgers. And – Arizona came up uh, strong in game one. Did they ever come up strong in game number one? How about the rough outing from Clayton Kershaw? Once again, the playoff nightmare continues for him. Did not even make it out of the first inning. He only he only got one out. He allowed five straight hits to start this game. And six overall hits in that first inning. Six earned runs. And... A nightmarish start for him in that game one performance. The Diamondbacks took it 11-2. to um, th- This lineup was insane in game number one. Tommy Pham hit a home run. Alec Thomas hit a home run. Corbin Carroll hit a home run. Gabe Moreno hit a home run. We saw RBIs from Walker, uh, Gurriel, uh, Longoria. They, everything that could have went right for Arizona did. And they got some strong pitching from Morrell Kelly. Six and a third shutout baseball, a lot of three hits, Two walks and five strikeouts. 
The bullpen only only allowed the two earned runs in the later part of the game, but it was a complete domination from Arizona in game number one. They now go into tonight's matchup as of this recording with the Los Angeles Dodgers, where the matchup will be Zach Gallon against Bobby Miller. And this is an interesting matchup, Johnson, because you have Gallon has already pitched a game in this postseason in which he pitched a, a strong six innings, allowed just two runs, and that being in the first inning of that game against Milwaukee, against Bobby Miller, who does not have, he has not pitched a postseason game in his entire career, obviously being a young rookie. Can the Dodgers tie this series up and win it overall? Or do you think Arizona's going to pull off the upset? That is a great, great, great question. So I am a, I said if the Marlins couldn't make it to the World Series, I was riding with the Diamondbacks. They're gonna make it. They're gonna make it a series, but ultimately, if the Dodgers will fail, give me Diamondbacks three two and another. Wow, another meltdown for Los Angeles when it comes to postseason baseball. That would it would be a stunner if that would have happened. And now I think the, the the concern for the Dodgers is I mean Kershaw was brutal in Game One. You're not going to Miller in Game Number Two. I don't know where they go in Game Number Three because that's been the problem for the Dodgers. Their rotation this season has been not that great. You had Urias who had a, a down season. Obviously, Walker Buehler is still out with Tommy John. Dustin May is out with Tommy John. And that's been a big problem for them the entire year. And they've had their you know on and off season with the bullpen. They really haven't you know had a consistency out of their bullpen. And their lineup just was not there for them in game number one. So I am also concerned about the Dodgers right now. I think the Diamondbacks on a, a red-hot pace, and it's kind of, you know, the new narrative, I think, in baseball where these wild-card teams are the most dangerous teams instead of the established teams that are already in and have their divisional, you know, their wild-card buys because you're catching these teams at a red-hot pace right now, and Arizona is exactly in that spot right now after winning that series against the Brewers and then dismantling the Dodgers at game number one. I don't know where I want to go with this series, I'm. I think the Dodgers have the postseason experience, and I think they'll get it back on track. I'm going to pick the Dodgers to win in five. Okay, so we don't have a mush. Yeah, we don't have a mush on that one. Okay, and the final game we have here, the final series. Excuse me. We have the Philadelphia Phillies versus the Atlanta Braves. Philadelphia getting a stunning up, stunning upset in Game One of this series. They're currently up one nothing. Uh. I'll defer to you, Nick. And you talk about that game number one. How about the Phillies pitching in that one? Rangers Suarez went three and two-thirds shutout baseball. And then the bullpen did the job for Philadelphia the rest of the way, only allowing four hits the, the entire game. And taking that game one, three-nothing. Spencer Strider pitched a good game. He just didn't get any run support. And a funny stat about that, Johnson, is did you know that was the first time all season that the Braves were shut out at home? They had not yeah, no, I did not home. know that. Yeah. I mean, it sounds right to me because it seemed like they're an unstoppable juggernaut whenever they step up to the plate, so I, I would believe it. Yeah, so and they had crazy numbers this season when it comes to home runs. I believe they tied the record for amount of home runs in the season or at least were second in total home runs in the total year with the 2019 uh, Twins and the uh, Yankees team from a couple years ago. I forgot what the year exactly was. Um. But being as it may, the Phillies pulled off the win in game one, 3 nothing, off some strong pitching. Now you go into game two tonight between the two teams and where it's kind of a must win for Atlanta. They cannot afford to go back into Philadelphia trailing two games to nothing. It's Max Freed against Zach Wheeler. What do you have going the rest of the way of the series? Can Atlanta ever bounce back in game two and win the series as a whole? Or is it going to be deja vu like last season where Philadelphia has just the better advantage, and wins the series. Uh, give me the reverse sweep. I think Atlanta wins the next three. Give me Braves 3-1. Okay, wow. Okay, I, I, I don't really necessarily oh, hate that. Cause, fool yeah, me on. once, shame on, on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So I don't think Atlanta's going to get shamed twice here. Yeah, they can't. If they were, if this was to happen in back-to-back seasons, thankfully they, well, not for obviously for your case, but for their case, they won that World Series a couple years ago because if they hadn't, and this happened to them, man, it would be uh, – Bryce Snicker would stain. definitely be fired at this point. It would be a stain and, on their record going forward forever. Right. So now you're at a stretch where Max Fried has to pitch a good game tonight 
And I do think he will pitch a good game tonight. I have the Braves winning this, though, in five games. I think Atlanta will fall in one game in Philadelphia, but they will win this series three games to two. I don't expect them to fall like they did last season, but the Phillies are not going to make this easy. I totally agree. And I think the last thing we have here before we finish up are our World Series predictions part four. Part four. I mean, I've been sticking with uh, Rangers-Marlins for the longest time, but I got to change it up, and I'm going to stick with the Rangers still. And I'm gonna slide. I'm gonna slide the Diamondbacks in there. So give me Rangers Diamondbacks. Ooh, okay, I don't. I don't hate that at all. I, I that would be kind of an interesting. It'd be very series. fun. That would that be would Southwest. Be fun. It'd be Southwest centric series. Now I'm gonna change mine up because I remember I had the Astros versus the Atlanta Braves in a series that no one wants to see. But I think for purposes, the question is Johnson. Do I try to mush the team I hate? Or do I just pick a World Series that I want to see? Pick a World Series you want to see. Okay, then I want to see the Atlanta Braves and the Texas Rangers because of the amount of offensive juggernauts that we have between those two teams. Well, you so got 50% much, of that, right? Right. There's so much firepower in that in those in both of those teams. And to see that in a post in a World Series matchup would definitely be fun. I know for your case, you'd be rooting for Texas beyond belief. And I kind of want the Rangers to win the World Series at this rate, too. But um, to see those two teams and the amount of firepower they have on the offensive side of the ball, that would be a fun World Series to watch. So I kind of want that to happen. But anyone but Houston for me. So give me Texas and Atlanta now in my part four prediction. All right. So it seems like that kind of sums us up here. Do you have anything else to say before we uh, before we sign off? Uh, just a happy Columbus Day as of this recording uh, to everyone that celebrates today. And enjoy your postseason baseball because it's been a fun ride so far. And if it's anything like last season's postseason, it surely will be a wild time. And so far, we've seen a wild time already in this MLB postseason. I'm sure it will continue. Do you have anything else to add to this before we sign off? Uh, go Rangers. I don't disagree with that whatsoever. I do want Texas to win, so we'll see if they can do it and if they can sweep Baltimore to move on to the ALCS. But that is going to do it for this edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. We'll be back to preview the championship series for these ALNL uh, m- matchups as we'll also pre- recap what happens in the divisional rounds between all four matchups in this AL and NLDS. But it's certainly been a wild time in the MLB postseason. It surely will get even better as it goes on. This has been Nicholas Bavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson with the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Have a great rest of your weekend, and happy Columbus Day to everyone.